Well, hello there, and thank you for tuning in. I wanted to speak to you about uh, this uh, broadcast that uh, just recently uh, was aired uh, on a uh, different network. Uh, this one is from Polly, Polly Talks, and she's talking to Dr. Larry Palavisky, and uh, he is uh, informing us about the potential for the spike protein to be uh, transmitted. from person to person and so I want you to listen in on this and there are some other issues that he may also discuss uh, following this so uh, let's uh, listen in but can we talk about transmission and then one of the main reasons that is very close to me is my daughter is 22 weeks pregnant and I'm keeping her away from everybody but what so we're hearing about all these uh, menstrual issues we're hearing about people getting really really sick being around uh, covid uh, covid uh, injection people so can you tell us what it's all about as much as you know i know it's still work in progress we're still trying to figure the whole thing out but you, I, i've heard you speak on this before right so you know you'll hear all the experts say that there's no transmission of this information you know the there's no transmission of the injection to those people around them and I have been slandered and pumped, uh, punched and, and you know, attacked because I've been saying that there's transmission of this injection. And all the experts are saying, no, there's no transmission, there's no shedding. But there's no science to back that up either. All we have is experiential evidence. All we have are tens of thousands of reports of people mostly women, and now little children, little girls, who are experiencing significant reactions having been around others who've been injected. And you know, in, in, my, in my experience, Polly, when something happens out of the ordinary, and if it happens here and there, it's a coincidence. But when you start to hear tens of thousands of reports, much like you know, when a child gets injured after a vaccine, and it happens here and there, it's a coincidence. But when you start pulling together story after story in the hundreds, in the thousands, in the tens of thousands, in the hundreds of thousands, now you're starting to see a pattern. And as you know, having done Vax1 and Vax2 and other projects, you know these stories came in like crazy. You couldn't, you couldn't put all the stories together enough because there were so many. And so we're seeing those experiential stories again. And so we have to turn around and say, is something happening with the people who are getting the injections that they're transmitting material to others? And so anybody who says, no, there's no transmission is basing it on opinion. If people like me say there is transmission, it's based on a pattern of evidence that needs to be investigated as to what's really happening to the innocent people who are standing by and being exposed to those who've been injected. So what we are hearing and what we are seeing in stories and in pictures is women who are in menopausal age, who haven't menstruated for maybe 10, 20, or 30 years, who are starting to bleed. Women who have regular menstrual cycles who are now cramping, who are having excess bleeding, 
who are feeling as if they're having another baby. That's how significant the cramps are. Throwing out huge blood clots that are massive in size. You have women who have periods who are losing their periods and not because they're pregnant, but because they're being exposed to those who've been injected. And now we have women who are having miscarriages. The reports of miscarriages are astronomical in those women who have been around others who have been injected. And of late, we are hearing of toddlers, 22-month-olds, who are having vaginal bleeding, three-year-old girls having vaginal bleeding. We're seeing men with testicular pain and erectile dysfunction exposed to others who have had the injection. We're seeing men who have nosebleeds. We're seeing men who are having cardiac and other system uh, illnesses. These are not in the tens. These are not in the dozens. These are in the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of reports. That is a pattern. And that pattern is being unilaterally shut down from any publicity by the powers that be. In fact, 15 state attorney generals as of May 2021 have petitioned social media to pull down any reports of adverse events by those who feel that they have been injured by transmission of material from those who have had the injection. Now, the question that most people are asking, Polly, is what is being transmitted? No one knows. There are theories. And it behooves us in the medical community and the scientific community to say, whoa, there's a pattern going on here. What questions do we need to be asking? Unfortunately, there are experts who say, no, nothing's happening. There are others who say, oh, it's the spike protein being transmitted. There are others who are saying it's the mRNA that's being transmitted. There are others who are saying it's the antibodies that are being transmitted. There are others who are saying that some of the material are radiation empowered and they are being transmitted as soon as people come into greater forces of electromagnetic fields. These are all theories. We don't know and we need to find out. What is starkingly concerning is that no safety studies have been done on these injections to understand transmission or shedding. We know shedding happens with live viral vaccines. We know this isn't a vaccine against a virus. We know this is an injection that, that is meant to create spike protein, which we know is a, is a poison. But we also know that there's literature that shows that Pfizer knew the potential of a hazardous exposure to people who got the injection. We know that Pfizer warned people in the study to avoid having sexual intercourse for the first four weeks after they got the injection. So they knew something, Polly. We also know that there's literature about the use of mRNA to create self-spreading vaccines. In other words, to be able to vaccinate those who have not gotten the shot just by them being around those who've gotten the injection. And lastly, which is really concerning, we know that there's literature to show that mRNA injections to be used as self-spreading vaccines have the potential 
in the insect and in the animal colonies to create depopulation. And certainly when you start to see that literature and then you see all these women having reproductive issues, it should make you pause. A ton of questions coming in. Um, and I'm talking about the depopulation, I've said this for some time now, they've already achieved that to some degree. You know, you've got children like my son, Billy, who will never have children. You've got children like Josh Coleman's son, who's paralyzed from the waist down. You've got the Gardasil girls who've gone through menopause. We, we have the dead babies that are just literally everywhere and the voices are silent on that. So we've already got to that. People need to really think about that, um, that we've at that stage already. Now, Jenny just asked, um, she's a massage therapist. If you were a massage therapist, would you be having hands-on contact with people who've had these injections? Okay, so my personal answer is no. My professional answer is how do you stop someone from earning a living during this time? You know, you and I know that there are physicians, there are chiropractors, there are businesses that have said, people who've gotten the shot are not welcome in my office. They're not welcome in my shop. That is certainly uh, a stance. And we all know that unvaccinated people have been ostracized and pushed away for decades mm -hmm. because of their choices. Now the tables seem to be turning a little bit. I think it's an internal decision that someone would have to make because I don't know what the risks are. And certainly no one knows how the material is being transmitted whether it's coming through exhalation, whether it's coming through the breath, or whether it's coming through skin, or whether it's coming through gas, you know, if you have a uh, flatus uh, and, and it's passed that way. No one knows. Um, there are some theories that I've seen by some of the scientists that it, it, it can come up through the, the exhalation of the air or the skin. But again, no one is doing the studies. Something is being transmitted somehow. Now, is it a bio, um, bioenergetic transmission? We know that when women are in the same space together for a certain period of time, they synchronize their, you know, their cycles and their biorhythms. Um, does that play a role? We don't know because we don't know what's happening. And what we do know is that every attempt to express an experience is being censored. So my, my advice to you, Jenny, is 100% don't do it. I've stopped anyone uh, coming here to the Autism Centre here in Austin because we have we have um, people with compromised immune systems and pregnant people. Talking about coming on to pregnant people, what on earth? Well, I do not understand why they could even begin to allow these experimental injections to go into a pregnant woman. Uh, so I want to ask you about that, but I also want to ask you, what because i know the studies were done from a very very short time their studies as they say we these babies haven't even been born yet what are you expecting to see because dr northrop's fearing it could be another a thalidomide situation what 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 could we be seeing well we're already seeing it polly we're already seeing women reporting miscarriages who are getting the injection um you should see the the percentages of miscarriages the increase in the percentage of miscarriages just in the VAERS report alone. And uh, of course, you know, we want the VAERS report so that we can understand the adverse events, 
And then when we don't like what's coming out of the adverse event reports, we say, oh, but it's just a passive system and there's no way to say that it's related to the injection. But women themselves are reporting over and over again an increase in miscarriage. Now, if women are not listening to women, uh, we have a problem because the, the fear is so great that women are lining up. But how many women so far I have seen report, they were so proud that they got their injection and within days maybe and weeks, they reported that they had a miscarriage. Some even reported that they had a stillborn. Again, the only way to get out of this is for people's experiences to be heard and people's experiences to be valid and for people to realize that there's more going on than what meets the eye. Also being reported, again, this is just from um, parents who are not, uh, women mothers that are not vaccinated and, and they're saying that they're, when they go for their baby scans, the, there's issues with the placenta. Do we know anything more on that or not, not at the moment? Well, again, the, 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 the obvious thing that's happening in women who are exposed to those who've been injected is increasing clotting. And, you know, many months ago, a European scientist came out with a statement of great concern around infertility for those who would get this injection. And he cited his concern about the two placental proteins, syncytin-1 and syncytin-2. And he felt that there was cross-reactivity between the spike protein genetic material and the genetic material of the syncytin-1 and the syncytin-2. And he was concerned that by producing an antibody against the spike protein, women would also produce an antibody against syncytin-1 and syncytin-2. And that would endanger the implantation of an egg and its sperm, the embryo. And that would also endanger the life of a fetus and lead to a miscarriage. So you'd have uh, miscarriages and then you'd have infertility. And there were top virologists around the world who said the following. The amount of genetic similarity between the spike protein and the syncytin protein is so minuscule that it shouldn't be a problem and that there wouldn't be any chance of infertility with the spike protein antibody. And therefore, Polly, the science was settled. And upon that opinion alone, the experts said that there is no relationship between the spike protein antibody and infertility. And so you will hear and you will read people saying, the theory that the spike protein antibody will cross-react with syncytin-1 and syncytin-2 has been debunked. There is no chance of infertility because there's no plausible biological mechanism for that to happen. And so all of that was wiped out in a matter of seconds when in fact, no one has ever studied whether the spike antibody will attack the syncytin-1 and the syncytin-2 proteins that are going to create the placenta and allow for implement implantation. There's also a similarity between the spike protein 
and the male, male and female uh, sperm and egg because the spike protein binds to the ACE2 receptors on the sperm and on the eggs. And that in and of itself, if you produce an antibody against it, will stop you from uh, having a baby. So what, what, a 12, what a mother of a 12-year-old girl would want to know, or even a 12-year-old boy, is that there's a chance of infertility just by the nature of how the spike protein binds to the ACE2 receptors on sperm and on eggs, and how the antibody will attack the sperm and the egg. Very, very simply. Well, there's a lot of questions coming in. Um, there's something I need to ask you. Now, if I get this wrong, please correct me. My understanding from the experts in, on our side is that there were these animal studies done, ferrets or whatever, and they all pretty much kind of survived the jab, but then when they were exposed to the actual virus, died, a lot of them. That's my understanding. Correct. So what does it mean for when we get into the fall, when we get all our colds and um, people start getting their flu things and a booster maybe, what's going to happen to those? If, if you look at what happens to the animals, I would say not, it's not good. Well, again, that's one of the reasons that they didn't do the animal studies with these injections first, because they actually knew that by doing messenger RNA vaccine experiments on animals, it was disastrous. The uh, ferrets died after exposure to whatever they called the natural infection. But if you look back, when they tried to do an, a messenger RNA vaccine for respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, that failed as well. So messenger RNA technology has never worked and this whole idea of antibody-dependent enhancement is what you're talking about. This idea that these people who've been injected, who then in the fall will either get another injection or get the flu shot or get exposed to the garden variety illnesses that are common in the fall and winter, chances are that there will be massive deaths based on the studies alone. We are the experiment. I mean, I've seen, I've seen a meme, Polly, where two rats were talking to each other and one rat said to the other, hey, did you get your COVID-19 injection yet? And the other rat says, no, they're still experimenting on humans first. That's what's happening. But that's the truth, isn't it? No. Okay, lots of questions on how, okay, here's the thing. How do we protect ourselves? We, the people, the people watching you now that love you very much and thank you so much for your work. How do we protect ourselves and our loved ones because we are not taking this injection or any vaccines, injections, anything? How do we stay alive? Good question. And we just don't know enough information to give sufficient medical advice. We know that if they produced a poison poly, they have an antidote. Because if they're aerating this material, unless they're living on their private islands or in their little secluded areas, they're gonna be exposed. And so there must be some antidote that we're not aware of. And you're starting to hear, you know, all these experts say, well, make sure your vitamin D levels are high and, Make sure your levels are between 70 and 90. 
get out in the sun, get natural vitamin D, make sure you're taking enough vitamin D, get your vitamin D levels checked. I don't know if that's sufficient. We know that the studies during COVID demonstrated that death rates were lower when people's vitamin D levels were higher. But this is a horse of a different color. We don't know what's actually coming out of these injections that is being transmitted. So I don't know. Ivermectin, it worked for people who were having the illness. They got better really quickly. Dr. Corey has lots of experience and testified in front of Congress uh, as to his experience. I don't know. Hydroxychloroquine? I don't know. I don't know. Vitamin C? Zinc? No one knows because we are just assuming this is spike protein. But we don't know because if you look at the patents, Dr. Tenpenny did an amazing job of reading through the patents. And she showed that there could be other messenger RNA material in these injections that we're not even aware of. Is that because they're emergency use that they don't have to tell us? When they're approved, do they, I mean, like with all the other, uh, well, well, the vaccines, you know what I'm saying, guys, but we get the full big long insert. We don't have that yet on these injections. Is it because it's uh, authorized for emergency use or do you not know? Well, I don't know specifically, but I can make some educated guesses. Um, there's no oversight for these injections. The manufacturers have full immunity to any liability. Just like after 1986 and then 2011, when the vaccine manufacturers had complete immunity to liability, um, there's no standardization of what's in these injections. In fact, there are some European uh, investigators who've come up in front of the regulators in, the, in Europe saying we've evaluated some of these injections and we don't even see a standardized quantity of messenger RNA in all of the shots. And so there's no complete listing of what's in them. There's no standardization of what's in them. We have no idea because no one has to mind the store. There's just a complete and utter trust that, well, they would definitely not hurt us um, and we know what happened with the regular vaccines um, because we don't even know what's in all the regular vaccines either. We've had, we've, had, we've had scientists actually look at some of the standard vaccines that we give and they found um, lead, tin, uh, dust, silver, tungsten. They found all of these other particles in them that are not supposed to be in the injections. They found protein molecules that didn't have any description at all. They found glyphosate. So these are, these are big unknowns. And the massive trust that is, is evident, it, it's like, it, it's literally like, Polly, all these years, these companies have been lying. They've been paying fines. They have been cheating. They have been deceiving the public. And we turn around and say, yes, please. Let's have more of what you're giving us. I mean, it's pretty preposterous to me. It's, I cannot believe that we're even having this conversation um, in this day and age. Um, another question. Is our water safe? Are these people peeing something? I mean, we all have filters and stuff. I know you don't know, but I mean... It, Good question. And blood transfusions. Who's wants one of those? God forbid we're in a car wreck. Right, but what's interesting is that we should have been concerned about blood transfusions for the last 70 years. 
right? It's not just now. Um, certainly it's taken up a notch, but no one knows what what's happening right now. I mean, precautionary principle is is advised, but even those of us who are strong and those of us who are what, taking care of ourselves, we're still vulnerable to getting exposed to these injections. Because we also don't know, you know, you, you're seeing a lot of people who are guessing that there's a radiation component to this, that the electromagnetic fields are being ramped up, that there are particles. Oh, and just like that, he gets taken down. Well, I guess we did it quite well to do as long as we did. Tobias, let's see if we can get him back on again. I presume I'm still live. I'm still live. Well, okay, guys, it looks like they've uh, taken this uh, broadcast down. And uh, I guess what what has happened now is that uh, she's going to try to reestablish contact. But uh, that's enough to go on for right now. Uh, these uh, videos obviously are rare and uh, many people aren't aware of what's going on. So, uh, you know, I guess uh, if we can get information to these people, let's do it. And uh, an informed public, you know, is a public that is going to live much longer. Uh, the Lord said that uh, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And so that's what we're trying to do. And that's what we endeavor to do here at uh, in this broadcast. Uh, if you like what you hear and uh, you feel like you want to contribute, uh, links in the description, always for you to support uh, this channel and any other channel that uh, supports the truth. Remember until next time that uh, Jesus is the light of the world and the truth shall set you free. God bless.